0: Thank you for listening, and we hope this message will strengthen and help you in your walk with God. All right, I want you to say everything I say and every hand motion I do, all right? That's the north. That's the, north. That's the, south. That's the south. That's the east. That's the, east. That's the, west. That's the west. And right there is where my life changes. My life changes. Right, there right there is where I get better. I get better. Right, there right there is where I, where I get blessed. Right there is where I get lifted up. Right there. And I'm staying right there. Right there. Amen. Amen. Amen? Amen? You can be seated. Come on. So I'm going to preach about being unstoppable today. And people that know me, which I know there's some people here that have known me for a few years when we didn't all have gray hair, Some of us would have gray hair today if we didn't do something about it. I'm not looking at anybody in particular, just saying maybe. Somebody told me last week, you know, redheads don't turn gray. I said, not if they got a good hairstylist. (laughs) Unstoppable. What does it mean to be unstoppable? What does it mean to be committed to something and you just don't give up, you don't back up, you don't quit? You don't let up. You just keep going and pressing on and pressing on and pressing on. We give up too easy. We quit too easy. What does it mean to be unstoppable? So look, I'm going to read a verse of scripture to you, and I want you to read this with me. It's James chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Which James 1 is my favorite chapter of the Bible. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. What produces patience? So there's going to be a test somewhere. Amen? Amen. There's no testimony without a test. Amen? We go through a test and we think something's wrong. Well, Peter said, why do you think it's strange concerning the fiery trials that test you? There should be nothing strange about being tested. There should be something strange about failing. There should be something strange about giving up. There should be something strange about not knowing what to do, but you shouldn't think it's strange. So it says, the the testing of your faith produces patience. But Read this next sentence, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking lacking nothing. What does that mean? Let patience have its perfect work. What does that word patience mean? Guys, we think the word patience means when you tell your wife, we're going to leave for Columbia, Missouri at 7.30 on Sunday morning, and at 7.40, she's still in her jammies putting her makeup on. And at 7.45, she's doing her hair. And at 8 o'clock, she's getting dressed. We think if we can just, that that's patience. And that is a form of patience, but that is passive patience. This word is a Greek word, hupomone, H-U-P-O-M-E. It means constant, cheerful, steadfastness. When we are patient, we just stand strong. It's aggressive, it's pushing in, it's, it's being willing to wait for something great. Too many times we want great things, but we don't want to wait. You know, when you plant a seed, it takes a while to get harvest. When you plant an apple tree, it takes three to five years to get an apple. We want things to happen right now, today, but this is talking about being aggressive. It's like running a marathon and just keep running and running and running. And you can tell by looking at me, I run a lot of those marathons. But when trouble comes, we are aggressive with our faith. When trouble comes, we resist it. When trouble comes, we push back. You know, when the devil attacks you. So, you know, I've been saying this a lot lately because I think we don't really get this. But God is omnipotent, he's omnipresent, and he's omnipowerful. Satan is none of those. He's not all-powerful. He's not all-knowing, and he ain't everywhere. Amen. He's in one place. So I, I'm pretty sure Satan is not in Columbia today. I doubt if he's even in the USA. He's probably holed up somewhere else. Now, that doesn't mean he doesn't have his minions, the demons, here. But, the, you know, people say, you know, the devil's been after me. I doubt it. I doubt it. I told somebody one day, you know, i um, That person should have never given in to that. He said, well, the devil was after him. I said, yeah, I know that, but they should have never given in. He said, everybody gives in at some point, but look, I don't like that. I said, I disagree with that theologically. He said, well, you can disagree with it theologically all you want to, but I'll just tell you this. In heaven, one of the three main cherubim got under such pressure that he left heaven, and he took one-third of the angels with him. Think about that. So, look, you better have some strong resistance going on. You better be able to resist the devil. You need to be able to endure. Keep pressing on. The devil don't know what you're thinking. That was the whole point of that whole little three-minute note there. The devil doesn't know what you're thinking. The devil comes after you. He attacks your finances. Don't say, I'm broke. Because you're letting him out on a secret. Don't say... I'm sick. I'm going to die. Don't say my marriage is in trouble. Don't say my company is going to fail. Don't say my job is at risk. Don't, don't tell the devil all that stuff. You know, if the devil attacks you, attacks you, attacks you, and you never acknowledge him, it drives him crazy. He keeps saying, what the heck is going on? I know they have problems. I can see they have problems. What the heck is going on? You know, about five years ago, Sherry went to get her annual mammogram and when she went, they did the mammogram, and they um, came in the room, and they said, well, Sherry, you have a lump on your breast. And right here, you can see the computer screen from last year, no lump. And this year, the one from today, you can see a lump. So we want you to come back tomorrow, and we're going to be- get you in a better piece of equipment and a better technician, but you have a lump on your breast. So Sherry came home and said, this is what the doctor said. She didn't say, this is what I have. She said, this is what the doctor said. I said, well, we don't agree with that. Look, we didn't go into war tongues. I believe in war tongues, by the way. But we didn't go into war tongues. We didn't call it a day of prayer or fasting. We just remained the same way that we always have remained. Amen. Yeah. Next day, she went to the, back to the, it wasn't at the hospital, it was at some clinic place. And I went with her. They took her in a room with a machine and a doctor. And they did a mammogram. And they called me in the room. And the, the doctor said, so look, there's last year's, no lump. There's yesterday's. And there's today." You have a lump in your breast. By the way, I love this big screen, Pastor Tom. That's pretty amazing. Actually, I like a lot of things in here you've done. I like this church. Anyhow, she said, so look, you have a lump on your breast, so we're going to send you in two days to the hospital, and they have the best equipment there, and we're going to do a biopsy, and we're going to find out if it's cancerous or not. So two days later, we went to the hospital. We got there, and... The doctor came in. He showed us all those X-rays, which, by the way, I advise you go get a mammogram, ladies. I advise you go get an annual physical. I go get one every year. You know why? You don't know what you're battling unless you go find out what the problem is. Right. Amen. And so we went in there. Doctor came in and said, "Look, so this this is last year. This is two days, ag- three days ago. This is two days ago. I'm going to take you back here. We have the best equipment in St. Louis here, and we're going to do a biopsy, which means they stick a needle in there and pull something out of the lump." So I so, said, "Okay." And uh, I prayed with Sherry. They put her on a gurney. They rolled her away. I was just sitting there. They said, we'll be back. In, she'll be back in 45 minutes. 45 minutes, no Sherry. Hour and 15 minutes, no Sherry. Nurse comes in. Well, we're having some equipment problems, but your wife's fine. She's laying back there. She's peaceful. And uh, we'll, we'll get it straightened out. Okay, hour and 45 minutes. They come back in and look. So we're having, still having problems. problem, but we've got another piece of equipment. Everything's going to be okay. After about two hours, two doctors walking. two and a half hours, two doctors walk into the room. And I stand up and say, okay, what's up? And the original doctor that had been there early in the morning said, well, you know, we, we know that she has a lump, has a lump in her breast. We, we could see that from the last three days. But we think we had an equipment problem, and then we had a technician problem, and then we did this. And the other doctor said, no, that's not what happened. I am the breast doctor in this hospital. And what happened here today is what we call a miracle. There is no lump in your wife's breast. Your wife is fine. I don't care about the two-day-ago x-ray or the three-day-ago x-ray. I'm telling your wife is fine. There's no lump. About that time, they rolled Sherry up in a gurney, and she looked in the room, and me and the two doctors were standing there face-to-face, and she said to the nurse, is my husband upset? And the nurse said, well, I don't think so. Why? And she said, because my husband's hell on wheels when he gets mad. And she thought because of all those problems, and they had been sticking her with a needle over and over, I was mad. Look, the doctor said this is what we call a miracle. That's what I call a miracle. Amen. That's what I call not giving in. Jack, were you, was there ever a moment when you weren't nervous or afraid or something? Well, the devil never knew it if I was. Sherry never knew it if I was. You know why? Because we were in agreement. We stand in agreement. We stand strong. We endure. We don't give up. We don't look back. We don't quit. We don't change our mind. We don't go a different direction. Years ago, we wanted to have a baby, and we tried for years and couldn't get pregnant. And we did everything you're supposed to do to have babies. We bought baby beds, baby diapers, baby pacifiers, baby clothes. We, Sherry went every month and had a pregnancy test. Back then, you couldn't buy them. And every month, negative, 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 negative. So I was at a conference in Salem, Missouri, and I asked a guy that I had a lot of confidence in. If you need something or want something and you ask God for something, And it doesn't come, how long do you wait until you go a different direction? And he looked me right in the eye, Pastor Tom, and said, say that again. I said, okay, if you want something or you need something and you ask God for it and it doesn't come, you don't get it, how long do you wait before you go another direction? He looked me right in the eye and said, say that again. So I thought, well, maybe I need to say it a little different. So a little different, I said, you know, like, you know, my wife and I, we're believing for something, and we ask God, and we just, we haven't seen it. It's, it's been over five years. Should we go do something different? He looked at me and said, say that again. About the sixth time, I got it. When you ask God for something, when you believe God for something, when God tells you to do something, you don't ever do it a different way. You keep doing it the same way. We quit too easy. We give up too easy. We let go too easy. We need to learn to become unstoppable. Well, Pastor Jack, I don't know if I can do that or not. Well, I know you can do that. You can do that because my Bible says, Romans 12, verse Two, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. You know how to find out the will of God? You know how to do the will of God? Renew your mind. What does that mean? It means learn to think like God thinks. It means put the word of God so deeply embedded in you that you think like God thinks. But you have to renew your mind. How many times do you renew your mind? As many times as it takes. Renew your mind five times. Renew your mind ten times. Renew your mind a hundred times. Renew your mind a thousand times. Keep going back to the book and seeing what the Bible says. I don't get why Christians don't read the Bible. I cannot figure that out. That's a letter from God to you. you got to read it. You don't get it by osmosis. you got to read the book. Well, Pastor Jack, I'm not a good reader. Well, it's going to take you longer to read every day than me because I'm a great reader. I'm sorry. I wish you could read better. Even if you have dyslexia, you can read. You can get a Bible and play online along with the Bible and read the Bible. There's no reason anybody can't read the Bible, do the Bible, get the Bible down on the inside of you. Sherry and I have been reading the Bible every year for 19 years. Can't hardly wait to hit 20. I'm going for 40. Now I'm going for 50. Renew your mind. Don't be conformed to the world. Get the Word of God down inside of you. When something happens, you don't have to think about how you should act. You know how you should react because you renew your mind. You know what God says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Greater is he that's on the inside of me than he that's in the world. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nothing is impossible to those. All of that stuff, get it down inside of you. If you put enough of that down inside of you, all the negativity and all the ugly stuff will will not be in there anymore. You have to renew your mind, and you renew it, and you don't become conformed to the world, and you'll be transformed, and you'll know the will of God. By the way, this is just a little side note. I'm tired of people saying they don't get fed at church. Where in the Bible does it say you get fed at church? It says you serve in church. It says you get community in church. You can get fed in church because the seed of the word will be sown in your heart. But you know, if you're not getting fed in church, it's probably because you got rocky soil. So quit saying to the pastor, I just didn't get fed. What you need to say is, Pastor, I'm stupid and I'm hard soil and I just don't get it, but I'm changing. So, you know, I've had lots of people walk up to me over the years ago. I'm an atheist. I said, you know what that means? Yeah, I'm an atheist. I said, no. Atheist, the word atheist comes from two Greek words, atheos. It means without knowledge of God. So what you're you think you're telling me, I don't think there's a God. What you're really telling me is, I don't know about God. Yeah, and so a lot of times, we say and do stupid stuff just because we don't know what the word of God says. That's because that's the way we were raised. That's where everybody around us is. But we have to become unstoppable. We have to get to a place where we never give up. We never back up. We never quit. We think like God thinks. You know what I'm really talking about, Pastor Tom? I'm talking about living in a place of faith. Yeah. I'm talking about living in a place of faith. You know what the name of this place is right here? Faith Town, USA. Amen. This place right here, this is Faith Town. This is not Doubt City. This is not Fear City. This is Faith Town thank you for that amen off the front row. Can I get an amen back in the back row? Yeah, this is Faith Town. This is where we live. This is where we grow. This is where we connect. This is where we fight battles. This is where we join forces to go out and overtake evil. This is the place that we should all be in. It's called Faith Town. This is Faith Family Worship Center. I'm not really trying to rename the church either, by the way. Yeah. The Bible says this, Hebrews 11, 6, without faith, it's impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Diligently. What does that mean? Relentless. Look, when I met that beautiful red-headed girl when I was 15 years old, I met her at church, went in there late for the service. She was sitting in the row in front of me. We had about a hundred kids in the youth, they had a hundred. 20 kids in that youth group I sit down there and that long red hair was hanging down on the back of that pew and I was like oh my god look at that girl right there I started pursuing her and I was relentless I don't even like her brother and I became his best friend just so I could go to their house on Sunday afternoons. (laughs) yeah I was relentless I wouldn't give up I don't give up now we've been married 51 years I still chase her your pastor just told me this morning he chases Pastor Vicki. Was that private? It ain't anymore. James 4 7 Submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Resist the devil. Give him a little pushback. Push him back a little bit. Hey, Chris, come up here and help me. So, Chris, look, you're a pretty good sized fella. You know, I don't even know you, but I like you. Well, look, I'm just going to push you around a little bit. You know what? You don't push back. You, you don't stop. Now, I want you to resist me a little bit. Oh, there's a little resistance there. Yeah, resist me a little bit. Go ahead. Go ahead. Act like you, act like you mean it. Come on. Come on. Push me back. Unst- oh, 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 un- unstoppable. Unstoppable. You got that? You're unstoppable. You're unstoppable, man. You can do anything with you and that girl right there. You can do anything. Nothing's impossible. The work dreams you got, they're possible. The family dreams you have, they're possible. The ministry dreams you have, they're all possible. Just be unstoppable. Be unstoppable. God bless you, man. Resist the devil. Resist the devil. Push back. Fight back. Don't be a quitter. Look, I don't let no quitters live in my house. We fight back, we push back, we shove the devil, we resist the devil. You know, when the devil messes with me, I use that name, that name that Philippians says, the name above all names, the name above every name in heaven and earth, the name at which the the angels bow their their knees to, the name of Jesus. You start speaking the name of Jesus, and when the devil comes after you, if you don't know anything else to do, you just say, Jesus, Jesus. And you resist the devil, and he will flee from you. We have to be unstoppable in everything. I'm a relentless soul winner. I, can't, I'm, I, would, I would be so upset if I took a poll this morning and said, how many people here have not won anybody to Jesus this year? I would be upset with you. Because that's one of the things you were created for. We're created to win people. Well, I'm shy. I don't care if you're shy or not. Well, you know, when I'm around sinners, they smell like smoke. Look, when they get to hell, they're going to really smell like smoke. Yeah, Yeah. I'm a relentless salt winner. I have a list of 10 men that I pray for regularly, if not daily, very often. Most of them are far, far from God. Some of them are new to my list. One guy belongs to the Vice Lords out of Chicago, a very tough crew. I met him in Florida. At a hotel, I would tell the whole story. We'd take some time. It was definitely God. You know, the last thing I said to him was I said, you know what, Dan? You're a Lord, and I belong to the Lord. And it wasn't an accident that we met. He said, I know that. And I said, I just want you to know I have a list of 10 guys, and I just put you number one on my list. And I'll be praying for you regularly the rest of your life. I'll never see you again. I don't have your phone number. But you just know that guy, that preacher that you met in Daytona is praying for you that's relentless. That's pushing back. So one of the guys on my list is a guy named Rick Clark. He's my cousin. He's two months older than me. We were brothers. We lived next door when we were kids. We used to joke and say, in the last moments of my life, I'm going to call upon the Lord and I'll be saved and I'll go to heaven. And we would laugh about that and joke about it and say, yeah, someday we're going to pray that prayer. Well, look, I prayed that prayer. I met the right girl. He never prayed the prayer. Never became a Christian. Basically, he lived years of his life. He was a bartender. I prayed for him, prayed for him, prayed for him. Never preached to him. Just prayed for him. I walked into the bar where he worked out in St. Charles one day, and very loud, so everybody in the bar could hear, he said, the only man that's ever loved me in my life just walked in the door. I was like, I'm making points, Pastor Tom. I'm making points with him. He called me one day and said, hey, I'm going to the hospital out here in St. Charles today, and they're going to do a... um, endoscopy or whatever that thing is called, and I said, oh, great, I'll pray for you. He said, okay. I said, call me and let me know what it's like when you get home. He said, okay. I never heard from him, so the next day I called him. I said, what's going on? He said, well, they think I have a heart problem. I said, listen, you went in to get the colonoscopy, but they think you have a heart problem. Yeah, I don't know what's going on, but they kept me. They're keeping me another day or two. So Wednesday, I drove out there, and um, I went to his room. He wasn't there. I just sat down, After a while, a nurse came by and said, are you waiting for Mr. Clark? And I said, I am. She said, you know, he's down for testing right now. He'll be gone for a couple hours. I said, she wrote my name down. I said, tell him Jack was here. So I left. So I called him that afternoon. I said, what's going on? He said, I don't know. I don't know what's wrong. I'm sick. They They didn't tell me what's wrong. They're doing tests. I said, well, Rick, maybe you need to pray that prayer right now. He thought about it for a minute. He said, nah, I don't want to pray the prayer right now. I said, okay, that's fine. So Thursday went by. Friday, I drove out there. When I walked into his room, his whole body was swollen. He was huge. He was laying on his side. He was asleep. I walked over, faced him, started shaking him, said, hey, man, wake up. And I said, hey, wake up. I want to tell you a story. Remember the day we did this? Remember the time we did that? Remember I did that? He woke up. He started laughing. We were going back and forth a little bit. The nurse came in the room, looked at us. She left. A guy came in with a suit. The the guy with the suit walked over to me and said, how'd you get him to wake up and talk? And I said, I just started shaking and telling him funny stories about our childhood. And he said, well, he's been in a coma for the last couple days. We didn't think he would ever come out of that coma. And she said, actually, we're getting ready to move him up to in-hospital hospice hospice care. There's some special name for that. We don't, huh? Palliative. Palliative care. We don't think he'll live the rest of the weekend. This is Friday afternoon. I said, Rick, you understand that? Nope. I said, what's wrong with him, doctor? And the doctor said, Mr. Clark, you curious if I tell him? Is this your pastor? He said, yeah, it's my pastor. He said, he's got cancer. It's spread everywhere in his body. There's no reverse in this. He's going to die. So I said, you understand that, Rick? He said, no, I don't understand that. I said, Rick, you've got cancer. You didn't come and get treatment soon enough, and they can't fix it. You're going to die. They think you're going to die right in the next few minutes or hours. He just looked at me and said, wow, I didn't know that. I said, you want to pray that prayer now? He said, I do. I prayed the sinner's prayer with him about four thirty or four forty-five on a Friday afternoon. Fifteen minutes later he went into coma. Nine o'clock Sunday morning, he died. You know why? Unstoppable. Unstoppable. Unstoppable we don't quit. We don't give up. We don't look backwards. We don't let go. We don't say stupid stuff. We don't do stupid stuff. This is not a game with us. This is our life. This is the life of other people. When I get to heaven, guess who's going to be there? Rick Clark. He'll probably be right there at the gate waiting for me and say, hey, that's the only guy in my whole life that ever loved me right there. Yeah. You know why? Unstoppable. You have to be relentless. You have to do what God calls you to do. This guy right here in the orange shirt with stripes on it. Come up here, man. You know, I don't even know you, but I like you already. You have got to be unstoppable. Don't back up an inch, man. Don't back and quit looking over your shoulder. There ain't nothing better back there than there is up there. Just keep looking forward. Does that make any sense to you? Yeah. The past past ain't going to help you. It ain't going to kill you either. It's what's out in front of you, man. Be unstoppable. Make some strong commitments in your life. Make a strong commitment to your life. Are you married? Was that a no? I said no, sir. Oh, that's a bummer. I like being married. I've only been married 51 years. Yeah, unstoppable. What's your name? Tiberius. Tiberius. You're unstoppable, Tiberius. Are you a Christian? Yes, sir. All right. You're unstoppable. Say that. I'm unstoppable. I couldn't hear you. I'm unstoppable. Yes, you are. Condition. We're unstoppable. We just don't quit. We don't give up. We don't look back. We just do what we're supposed to do. You know, sometimes we change addresses so often, even God don't know where to find us. Because we we're not patient. We think if something don't happen, well, I, I better change jobs. I better move to a different house. I better move to a different city. I better change churches. Why don't you just stay one place for a few years and see what happens? Yeah. A few years? A few years, yeah, a few years. Yeah. A few years. Great things happen if you stay planted. Right. Great things happen if you keep pressing in. You just have to keep pressing in and listen. You say, well, I have a lot of problems. Well, look, this was some of the Apostle Paul's problems. It's 2 Corinthians 11, 24 to 27 from the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep, in journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. That's a rough one right there, Pastor Tom. In weariness and toil and sleepless often and hunger and thirst and fastings often and cold and nakedness. Look, your troubles always seem bigger than somebody else's trouble. But that's just because you're focused on them. Their problem might actually be a lot bigger than yours. It may be smaller, I don't know, but their problems don't matter. What matters is what are you going to do with your problem? You know, we like to take this verse. I'm going to read this to you. I read this several times last night and again this morning. This is... um, second corinthians 1 13 no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man okay let's stop right there whatever problem you have it's common to mankind lots of people had that problem you know tiberius i like you there's something about you man such as is common to man but god is faithful man god is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able but will with a temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear that you may be able to bear it that you may be able to bear it. We read that verse and we say, "Well, the Bible says God won't put allow more to be put on me." Then sometimes we do say, "God won't put more on me." Well, God didn't put anything on anybody. That's a devil's job. God, the Bible says, God won't allow more to be put on me than I can bear. I guess I'm going to make it. That, that's not what that verse means. That verse means whatever the devil puts on you, you can take it. That's what that verse really means. Whatever the devil does, you can take it. You're bigger than that. You're better than that. You're stronger than that. You've got the word of God on your side. Whatever the devil puts on you, you can take it. Quit saying, I can't take it anymore. <coughs> Quit saying that. Quit thinking that. Quit living that. You, not only can you take it, you're going to take it, and you're going to overcome it, and you're going to be better for it. Amen. It's going to make you better. Temptations, tests, make us better, not worse. Right. Too many people want to run from the test instead of going through the test and becoming stronger. I know some of you are sitting out there thinking, oh, Pastor Jack, you better be careful. You might make the devil mad. I want to make the devil mad. You better be careful. The devil's going to come after you. He's already after me. He's already chasing me down. He already sent notice to some of the demons here in Columbia. Watch out. Jack and Sherry are headed in town on Sunday morning. Watch out. They're going to stir something up. They're going to cause a problem. They're going to shake somebody's life up. That's what we're created for. That's what we do. That's what we live for. We're not looking for the easy route. We're looking for the best route. We're looking for the route that makes a difference in the world. We're looking for the route that changes things. We're looking for the route where we can change cities, nations. I don't know how many people we had born again last week, but quite a few. I know in the last year or two, we've had a couple really hard car bikers come to Jesus, some of the toughest guys in Brazil. Christians now. You know why? Unstoppable. Unstoppable. When I found out that a hell's angel in Brazil kept telling people I'm going to kill him and put his body in the river where nobody can find it, I was like, whoa. I wonder if he's killed somebody before. Oh, he's a fugitive from Canada, wanted for murder. I guess he has killed somebody before, but he ain't going to get me. He ain't going to get me. That's just the way I think. That's the way I live. I wasn't always that way. I renewed my mind with the word of God. I learned how to endure. I'm still learning. I still have temptations. I still have to resist. But look, when you resist the devil, he flees from you. Be unstoppable. Make some strong commitments in life. Put your foot down. Oh, I bet a lot of you wives know how to put your foot down. That was too good of a laugh there, Chris. (laughs) Yeah, put your foot down. Draw a line. Say, I'm not going over that line. Well, the devil's going to push you right up to the line. I don't care. Just push back. Push back. Push back. Push back. Pushing back. Pushing back. You struggling with something today, put it before the Lord and become unstoppable. My wife and I struggle with issues. We're, We're not perfect. I mean, look at her. Look at me. You know, there's a problem somewhere. He's all sweet and sassy. I'm pretty sweet myself. Pastor Tom said good confession. It's true. Become unstoppable. Re, un, just become relentless in what you believe and what you do. If Satan tried to hinder Paul, you know, I love, I'm going to read one more verse to you. I, I love this verse. This is 1 Thessalonians 2.18. Therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. Look, if Satan hindered Paul, he's going to hinder you. But Paul didn't quit. He didn't give up. He just kept pressing in, pressing in. Hey, I'm coming. I'm going to be there. I'm going to show up. I think Pastor Tom thought I wasn't coming back because I missed the Sunday before Thanksgiving last year. I had a hard time getting you to forgive me for that one. It was my 50th anniversary. And last year on the Sunday before Thanksgiving, we were on a cruise in the Mediterranean. It was rough. I wanted to be here, Pastor Tom. I wanted to eat that great meal. He did bless me. That is the truth. He said, what? You're not going to be here on the Sunday before Thanksgiving? Okay, I bless you. That's a good friend right there. Be unstoppable. Whatever God's called you to do. You two sitting right here, the youth pastors, you got to call a God on your life. Just be relentless about it. Just keep pressing in, pressing in. There's so many things involved in that. You have to work. You have a family. You have commitments. You have a life. But somehow you have to figure out and honing in on where God's put you and then just become relentless. Become relentless. You know, Sherry and I started with a youth group of 10 kids. And within two years, we were introduced to 2,500 children's church workers from across the USA, and the host of the conference, Willie George, introduced us and said, I've searched the USA this year, and these are the best youth pastors in, Louis, in, in the United States. Just be relentless. Be the best you can do. Do something great with it. You'll never, you'll never regret it. The kids, those kids still love us today. Write us, talk to us, support our ministry. Yeah, whatever you do, just be relentless. Keep pressing in. Don't stop. Don't give up. Thank you for listening today. We believe God's word is what will sustain us in any situation in our lives. For more information, please visit us at familywc.org, or you can download the app. Look for us as FWC Como. Until the next time, remember, you are God's best.